This podcast is made possible by the generosity of listeners and viewers like you. Kindly consider a contribution through Patreon or PayPal. Links are in the details box. Any amount is appreciated. And follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. The handle, The Beirut Banyan. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. And to stay updated with video releases, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Thanks for listening, and thanks for watching. I'm Rani Shatar, and this is The Beirut Banyan. I'm not running for parliament because I'm an expert in environmental technologies. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm running for parliament because I am sick and tired of seeing this dynamic society, this talented population, either go down the tubes or just pack and go. And I came to the conclusion that If we don't take matters into our own hands soon, soon, we don't have the luxury of time anymore. Mm. This country is going to become a shithole. Like, literally, you know. We are being run and managed, you know. I I don't want to use the the term led, you know. There are no leaders, no proper leaders in this country. Uh, They will kill us all. They will kill us all, you know. It's they plundered every resource that we have. I mean, this is unheard of. A whole population uh, uh, subjected to a Ponzi scheme. It's a whole population, you know. They were they were attracting foreign foreign Lebanese expat money mm. into that that game. Yeah. And now, look what they're trying to do. They're trying to get away with murder. This is one. Two, I don't see anyone in government right now having the talent or the know-how to put the country back on its feet economically. Hmm. No one in the current lineup even gets close to that. Listen, Ronnie. Yeah. You know, we have this, uh, this, this reminded me, you know, that, that the, the poster we have behind about the war. Yeah. Who won the war? The militias. This is actually a very nice way to start a conversation because you've, you've done, I'm interrupting you deliberately no. because you're, you're, you're taking, you're taking me back already to the 1970s and I respect this because you're not focusing in only on the last two years yeah, yeah, and your perspective is wider but off the top I'm going to say two things I don't think that's true no which one which part both that the militia won yeah and that there's no one competent now I'm going to be oh. very delicate in mm. this journey with you and of course I'll go back to your own uh, your own pursuit right now actually I can f- who I can, Who do you think is competent? Go. Okay, let's you know economically. I'm just yeah. saying economically. I think there are at least three ministers in this current cabinet that are probably more reflective of the aspirations we both have than the rot. 
and I'll, I'll throw names and we yeah, can make it, we, we can make it personal. Yeah. Somebody that I think of as pr- from the October 17 crowd is the Minister of Environment. Nasser oh, Nasser, yeah. Yeah, Nasser is a good friend. Okay, so Nasser, let's say we can we can we can uh, disapprove of certain things maybe we can criticize him in certain ways, but I think his principles are clear and I think he's I think he's competent enough. Listen, I think for someone like Nasser who came out, uh, who did not come from a technological background or yeah. environmental background, I think he's doing he's doing super for what what he's doing. That's well but said. What I was talking about is more on we are in deep shit economically. Yeah, there is no one with a clear vision of what to do mm. and what this country is gonna be for the next twenty years. Yeah. I'd be I'd be really curious to know who you think has the has the knowledge has the balls to say tag along I'm taking you there the voices that I think that are competent they're not great are him I think Firas Abiyat is fine he may not be a shining star in his current capacity but he has proven to be at least competent yeah, but managing. these two guys are not in the economic, uh, you know. Saad Shami. Now he's uh, a he's a controversial character, maybe mm. because he slips from time to time on TV. <laughs> he may say things that are perhaps in his mind they're actually true, but it's not really what a politician would say. It's more like what an accountant would yeah, say. Yeah. yeah, he's a technocrat. He's a technocrat, and I think he's actually probably one of the most, if not the most competent minister right now and he's from a party that i do not associate with when it comes to reform syrian socialist nationalist party oh he's their guy now he's miati's preferred pick on that list he's the deputy prime minister i can't stand anyone in that party but then here comes somebody who's doing his job appropriately and you can criticize him too now that's at least three in a government that has also contributed to our demise. I don't know why somebody else entering parliament would do any better than these kinds of characters. Where they're limited, they're small in numbers, and then you come around post-election, the good people will face the same obstacles they're facing. Unless, unless, they are, they do not answer to a confessional Mm. Uh, mm. Parameter. Mm. Uh, I, I I'm, I'm, I'm refraining <laughs> from using the word <laughs> leadership because we, you know, hundred percent of our ills are due to a lack of leadership. A leader is a servant, mm. and we have not been served. I watched you on your, uh, your elect, your, your, in a way, your first political speech that I've heard in public was, I think, yesterday. Yeah. And just al Yes, yeah. And you know, you, you mesmerize at times because I'm listening to you and it's like, that's my guy. Mm. Don't vote for me for sectarian reasons. Don't vote for me for corrupt reasons. I'm not going to do you favors. If you want to vote for me for those reasons, don't vote for me. Yeah, exactly. You are my guy. And I don't want it. And you don't you want know? it. But I don't see you and someone like you being any, doing, being able to do any more than the current crowd that's still trying that's my problem which can go back into what options do we have yeah that's except trying yeah let me let me then and i interrupt interrupt this is where this is where 
This is where I fantasize about a new parliament. Mm. If we can get 10 people in there, 10, yeah. just to disrupt the statu quo, mm. just to say to Nabih Berri, we do not accept that you do a trivial hand count yeah. and you pass whatever laws that the bunch agrees upon. Right. And then we have like an, a whole freaking encyclopedia worth of uh, laws sitting in the, in the drawers and no one, no one talks about and no one sees, says anything about it. Since I started my campaign, I got really, really, really involved in the law proposition mm. concerning the free judiciary system. Yes, actually, you've, and you've mentioned this several times. You know what? Let's let's save that. It will. It listen. Yeah. It will change. It will be a game changer if we can get it to pass. Yeah. You think that would pass with at least? Oh, sorry, with ten MPs being able to vocalize this properly. Is that something that you can imagine? It's it's not on. It's not sufficient. Mm, yeah, you will need you will need MPs inside. Yeah, but we will need to get the people. Right, we, we need to get the people. Listen. Yeah, it's I've read the proposition. It's Mufakkira on legal agenda. Yes, they did a yeah. wonderful work. You know, and yeah. to the credit of the Auniyi, mm. which you know, <laughs> it's hard to say this exactly. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> you know, using the word credit and yeah. Auniyi in the same uh, phrase. But Marie-Claude Najem yes. insisted yes. Uh, because, believe it or not, all the MPs that are on the Lejnet al-Adil, al-Idara wal-Adil, everybody is in there. All of them. Yeah. The Uwait, Hezbollah, yeah. Amal. Amal has four deputies on them. Mm. Hezbollah has two. Mm. Uwait have three. Mm. Uh, Awni have three. Mustaqbal has two. Wow. And then SN, uh, you know, Our, the, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Uh, SSNP, yes, yeah, voilà. yeah. they have one. Yeah. And they have a, a, a heavy hitter. Mm. They have Albert Mansour, who's not a, yeah. Uh, yeah. He's, a, he's, a he's an intellectual and mm. he knows his stuff. Yeah, yeah. But these guys, these guys have been doing a destructive job in emptying all the core yeah. of the proposal. So we would have a free judiciary system for the last three years and three months. And to the credit of Marie-Claude Najem, yes. she insisted that we send the proposition of the law as is mm. to an international commission called the Commission de Venise. Yes. And this is an international legal body that compares whatever propositions are being uh, put forth to mm. parliaments yeah. with international standards. You know, they would take they would take the legal agendas proposition mm. and they would say, okay, let's see what's going on in Sweden, uh, what's going on in France, what's going on in, in England, and, and and let's see, do they really diverge somewhere out right. of that? Right. And even the new minister now, who is also a Auni, yes. insisted that we go through the Commission de Venise. Uh, review. It's my fault for not structuring our conversation better, but I like this because it's like we're talking with each other as opposed to going down an interview standard. Structure. Yeah, but I'm going to try to link up a few things that have been sort of uh, we've we've opened the doors to. 
first of all, we're both old enough to know what elections look like and how they don't necessarily translate into power. Mm. And I'm going to just throw an example. That's true. We're both uh, familiar with the results of 2005 and 2009. Not everyone in that crowd was bad. I know the names of these parties have become more toxic over time, and now no one has tolerance for them. But 17 years ago wasn't the case. I don't know if Stalin was the one who came up with that. <laughs> and he said, uh, in countries like ours, uh, the one who wins elections are not those who get the most votes, mm. but are those who count them. <laughs> But it, but and you can take that and apply it to every freaking elections we had. And yeah. It was, who's counting? It's it, always the same parties who are counting. You're absolutely right. But, in, but there were at least clear majorities that were not able to deliver enough reform at a time when the Syrians were leaving. They did not get their job done. And I don't think it's because they were bad people or because they did not want to do their work. And I'll add to that. You mentioned judiciary, which resonates clearly. I'm going to throw one example. We're now seven months later, eight months after October 2021. If I'm not mistaken, Tare Bitar has not touched the investigation in seven months or so. That, to me, is exactly what will happen post-elections, that good people will enter parliament and face the same wall which is why i've asked this question to a number of people running and funny enough some of them were about to announce their candidacy when i asked this question so it was a natural fit it made sense why this round is different for an independent mind wanting to do good why does it stand out for me it's the same parameters it's the same obstacles the same walls i don't know why this time around it's any different than 2005-2009, or for that matter, 2018, which was one of the worst experiments in modern history, the worst type of national unity. But even then, no one could do their job properly. Lake, can you think of one or two names in the current parliament mm. who you think are truly independent? Because I can't. I would go one step further. I don't think the word can be even applied to the October 17 crowd. Eh? I, I don't think there are independents the way that word is usually applied in Lebanon. I think there are parties that do not agree. There are groups that line themselves up accordingly. But I don't think there's a real independent but I think within parties, there are independent enough actors. Yeah, but there's always a glass ceiling, which is the ceiling put mm. forth by the Zayn. Mm. Mm. Uh, well, at least I can talk for myself. Yeah. I'm not affiliated with any political mm. party. Mm. I don't care about any Zayn. You know? yeah. I've interacted with all their players. Yeah. Okay. And when I started saying that the militias have won, what has won is a mindset of a militia. Mm. They all they all threw away the arms. Yeah. They all put on suits and ties. Yeah. But they would sit with you now 
let's pretend we're having lunch and I'm the militia. You're not gonna eat anything. That's true. Because I'm gonna <laughs> because that's my mindset. Yeah. My mindset is to take away. Yeah. I could not say in some you know what? Ronnie needs to have a good economic outlook. Ronnie needs to have mm. good medical care. Mm. Ronnie needs to have a free judicial system because if he gets into any kind of legal conflict, we want a just outcome of that conflict. They're incapable of doing that. Mm. And I've experienced it, you know, in the, listen, the waste file, the waste management file yeah. is this exactly. It is this mentality. Yeah. This is where, you know, everybody's telling you, oh, it's a free economic system. It's not. Mm. It's not a free economic system. Yeah. It's an economic system that is monopolized by the militias. But Ziad, or I'm, by the militia mentality. I'm going to. We're going to get into waste management because that's clearly. This is, I think, that's really the story at at hand at how to reform something like that, given the obstacles. But we'll, and we'll I think, yeah. and I think also that it will be the entrance for decentralization. But, okay. But no. But we'll, okay. Yeah. That's actually that's. Yeah. It will. It will force us to go It'll force us decentralization. That's an interesting, actually, yeah. interesting angle. But but right before that, though, you you referred to militias. And I think that's correct until 1990. We haven't had militias in this country for 32 years. We've had foreign armies. We've had one militia that has become, in a way, a staple of politics in this country. And I don't think the militia mindset is permanent. These, these parties that are out of touch at times and they're old and they're right now repugnant to a degree. None of them were militia before the Civil War. Do you remember Eli Habaya? <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> that's, that's, Can that's, you? That's best segue. <laughs> a horrible, no. horrible actor. Yeah. What, what really was mind-boggling for me, Yes. they put him in charge of the electric power dossier. Yeah. Elias Baira became minister of, of, of energy. That's true. <laughs> Walid Jublot became minister of the displaced. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah, true. I mean, You're right. You know, Nabi was put in charge of, of Mali. You're right. And and I remember, I remember, uh, I remember Birri saying like a few times, flat out, he's saying, if they are stealing, I want my cut. Yeah. A minister of Mali is saying, if they are stealing, I want my cut. This is the militia mindset I was talking about. You're right, but Ali Hbaya uh, danced around Assad's uh, path until he crossed the line and was eliminated. Walid Jumblad is a notorious chameleon who decides to move wherever the wind takes him, and it's out of safety and precaution. Uh, Nabih Birri is the preferred alternative to both the Syrian disorder and Hezbollah situation we have. He's the epitome of chaos. He's the epitome of many things. Uh, and everyone else that's, and you're absolutely right, all of these strange characters that entered the cabinet and entered institutions, probably none of them were fit. But I really think the reason we have these kinds of characters in charge 
is because of one major problem that none of us has any control over. And that's why these three that I mentioned earlier, there may be others as well. I mean, Nasir Yassin is not, you know, he's not a saint, but he's, I think, the kind of person that I would want to see even without. Listen, Nasir doesn't have a militia mindset, by the way. Doesn't have a militia. Neither does Mary Claude Nasham. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she's not a militia. Yeah. But, but, what's their problem? The glass ceiling. The glass ceiling put forth by the militia leader. You don't. You wouldn't put the burden more on the Syrian Hezbollah legacy. You would put it on the current Zaim more. And that's okay, they're all part of the same game. No, yeah. I, I mean, I'm not sure how accurate my dissection would be. Yeah. But we're we're only. I mean, listen. Yeah. What's his name? <laughs> the, the Syrian guy, Kanaan. Oh God. You know, or the other one. Yeah. What, yeah. Yes. Sure, yeah. You think these are military people? These are militias. These are thugs. That guy was a thug. And Rustam Ghazali was. So it's, yeah. we're still the same. You know, what you suffer from and what I suffer from and what people like us suffer from mm. is that you see the potential. Yeah. And you see the, that the obstacle between your country, your society, your people, who are, you know, and I'm, when I say my people, I'm talking about all, all Lebanese. Yeah. There's a huge obstacle standing between us and the potential of what this country could be or where it goes. Yeah. And this potential is, and this obstacle is a militia mindset now still combined with arms. If mm. you, I think if you take out the arms uh, parameter from the equation, yeah. I think it becomes easier to overcome the obstacle. Absolutely. Because I agree with you. Because arms eventually they'll become obsolete. And we, you know, I think you can see it. Yes. You're smart enough to see that now all the missiles that Hezbollah have cannot get us wheat. They cannot yeah. get us mazout. You know, they, they made a huge That's issue true. about the mazout. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Economically speaking now. Yeah. Was that, was that a success? You're, you're absolutely right. Yeah. Even their own. You know, I have a plenty. You know, I have plenty of friends in the Shia community. You know? And they make fun of them. Is that you know you went to get us mazout, and it yeah. was more expensive than what the than what the dawli was bringing in. That's true. Yeah. So, at one point, at one point, arms become obsolete. Mm. Mm. Arms don't win wars. Mm. Arms win battles. Mm. You can win. You know, with a rifle, you can win one battle, maximum two. But you want to win a war, it's with this. And with money. I appreciate you even letting me ask you something that is far bigger than both of us in our abilities. I know geopolitics is not the subject most MPs want to touch. I know that long-term systemic failure is not something that most candidates want to get themselves into because there are very local concerns that are pressing. And I appreciate that. At the same time, I'm glad that we can even talk about those bigger problems because... I think it would be a mistake to ignore what didn't work before and repeat a familiar pattern. So I appreciate you even opening up about things like Hezbollah. But let's go from that very problematic chapter uh, to something that you're, I think you're a household name, if you will, on this subject, on, on waste management, mm. uh, on, on your, uh, your demand 
that it becomes something sustainable in this country, that we don't just throw our trash into the sea. I saw the British Hamoud dump grow in the last two years. I can see it growing. And, uh, you know, now you take it for granted that there's just no system to deal with this problem. You just throw it. And I think this is something that's so tragic, and we're paying such a high price. And obviously, it causes illness. Uh, it makes our living environment unbearable. Economic so, loss. Economic loss. So huge you, economic loss. I know this. I know the superficial stuff. I'd like you, if you could, to take me to when you decided to take what could have been a career in the U.S. Because I remember this. You studied in New Jersey. Yep. You got awards for your work, and then you take that kind of, perhaps those skill sets, you bring them back to Lebanon, and you know that this country doesn't allow for people like you to flourish easily. So maybe you could take me back to the yeah. beginning. What drove you, you to know, come You know, there back? are two yeah. awards that are really close to my heart that I really love. Yes. One is from the American Society of Agriculture Engineers. Uh-huh. Okay. Agriculture Engineers. Yes. For work we did tying waste management to agriculture. Mm. Mm. And this is where, this is my bread and butter right yes. now. Yeah. And another one, it's called Energy Globe. And this was, we, we won that in Austria. Okay. And this was for the EcoBoard technology. Mm, this mm, is transforming plastic bags into panel boards. Right. And then we use those panel boards to do vertical farming. Right. Tying it again to to uh, agriculture. Actually, I was I was uh, slated to be drafted into the U.S. Navy. Oh wow! When when I finished Rutgers, yeah. Oh. And uh, yeah, to go study nuclear engineering. And, oh. And I said no. And my uh, my professor went crazy he said listen this is a lifetime opportunity i said uh, jack his name was jack i said jack do you think i'm slated for a military career mm. you know me you've been you've been my mentor the last four years yeah and then like, he shut up and then he said yeah you're right go go be happy oh that's that's great advice I, yeah yeah he said go be happy and wow. he said if you want to live a headache free life don't buy a boat, <laughs> don't own a restaurant, and don't buy a Porsche. And I said, okay, I understand. I understand the boat part. I understand the restaurant part. But why don't buy a Porsche? He says, it attracts the wrong kind of women. Wow. <laughs> Let me... Do you have Jack's number? <laughs> I, could, I could... Jack is dead. This is, this, is to, this is to his... Wherever you are, Jack, thank to, you. To Jack? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Thankfully, I don't have any of those three, so maybe I'm doing okay. <laughs> and actually, you know, my brother once got involved in the restaurant business, and I told him, listen, Jack Ramos said this. <laughs> and then he had to, to sell it because it became a nightmare. And then wow. later, he bought a boat. You're kidding. <laughs> oh, no, no. I said, listen, Jack Ramos said yes, that. Jack. And he sold the boat. And, Come in. And he sold the boat. So, and now, so far, he's not buying a port. <laughs> so... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I should learn from now. <laughs> so, so coming back to waste management, um, you know that the controversy that I've been fought mm. for mm. is claiming zero waste. Right. You know. Right. People don't believe that. You know, especially people in 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 relevant ministries, uh, mm. Mm. whatever. Uh, what's the CDR yes. or what yeah. have yeah, you? Yeah. You know, because. Because they, first of all, none of them has worked in the private sector, mm. and none of them has worked in research. Wow. I've, I've, 
spent a lot of money developing plastic uh, extrusion. This is the technology we use for the manhole covers right. or to make benches or to make it. But I was fortunate enough to study with people like Jack and Dr. Mm, Gilbert mm. and what have you. And, and these guys back in the early 90s were developing the philosophy of not throwing anything anymore. In the 90s in the U.S.? Yeah. Okay, yeah, so yeah. The, the, it had already taken oh, yeah. a massive It step. started in the 60s in California, right. by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know? That's interesting. You have, you, have, uh, you have whole university departments digging up landfills on the West Coast. Right. And doing all kinds of interesting research. But can you remind me, I, I, I tried remembering this, in the early 90s, post-war, what was the situation like for us in dealing with waste? Was that was that Costa Brava? Was it starting no, already? The no. landfill was uh, was the Green Line, the, the Normandy, uh, Normandy. Right, of course, it was Normandy. So that's the. But uh, post-war, was it still Normandy? Yeah, because we were coming from both sides of town. And yes, we were and so okay. and then when Hariri came, yeah, and they said, you know, this is this is the extension of the capital. We cannot. Yeah. We cannot. Uh, they started Burj Hamoud. This was version one. I see. So Burj 92. Hamoud, 92. So pre-92, we were still tossing our trash into the green line and in Normandy. Not dump. just trash. Everything. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, what would be... They were, they, were, they were knocking off people and, and throwing them there oh, during the war. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. No, I meant... So in the early phase, post-war, 92, Burj, Burj Hamoud, Hamoud becomes... Until the, 97. Until 97. And then the scenario played out. People got sick and tired of seeing other people's waste coming to their region. Mm -hmm. They blocked the road and they said, listen, no more. Yeah. So they went to Naomi. Naomi, of course. Naomi was the second dump. Yeah. And Naomi was supposed to be there for like three to five years. Mm. It stayed there for 20. <laughs> and then people, they, Ronnie, it's the exact same freaking scenario that played out in Bush Hamoud. Yeah. People went down the streets and said, listen, we don't want other people's waste dumped in our area. Is Costa Brava linked to Nami? Is it the, Hello. It's more or no. less... Yeah. Adena, they closed yeah. Nami. Oh, oh. We had the trash crisis. Right, yeah. A year and a half. No plan B. No plan B. Yeah. Okay? You know, waste management is an industry. Yeah. If you want to manage waste, you have to prepare. Of course. You have, you have to design factories. You have to yeah. get machines. Yeah. And those machines are not sitting on a shelf somewhere. You know? yes. You're know, yeah. going to have to ask people to build them for you. Yeah. So Costa so Brava came third. So what happened? Yeah. The one year of a year and a half of, of, of trash on the streets. Yes. They used things. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what happened? People in charge were begging regions to take the, the waste of Beirut. Right. If you remember, yes. Mashnu yes, yes. went all the way up to Akkar right. and says, hey, would you accept our waste? We will pay you. Yeah. You know, we'll, we promise you we do this, we do that. And my concern was, it is not feasible. Even if you have space, what you will do, can you imagine hauling 1,200 tons of waste per day? Over the highway from Beirut all the way wow. up north to Akkar, it's a nightmare. Wow. It's a nightmare. So they said, okay, fine. No one wants our waste. Thank God. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Thank yeah. God no one accepted. And now no one will ever accept, especially. Right. So they said, okay, let's figure out, you know, 
along sectarian lines. Mm. So we will send the Christian part uh, waste to Burj Hamoud, right. uh, and then we'll expand it a bit into Jdaidi. Now the problem yes. you have is Jdaidi. Of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. The mountain that yeah, you are seeing growing is in Jdaidi now. Yeah. And they said, okay, let's do Costa Brava. Aslan Costa Brava was used as a dump for the 2006 uh, demolition and debris. Of course, right, right. So okay. Costa Brava was already... It was already a slated. Slated, uh, yes. Right. And of course, both of them, uh, uh, like truly, you know, you, think, you, you might say, this guy is crazy. <laughs> I promise you, I promise you, there is no sectarian ideology in Lebanon. Mafi. Mafi. I don't care if you are Shia, Druze, Sunni, whatever. I don't care. And I'm sure you do not care too if whatever I am. Yeah. All right? Okay. Because the nature of the conflict is not did, ideological. I didn't even know until it was announced when you were running. I had to that, look at which I'm seat. Running for the, yeah. yeah, I would have, I would have actually... I would have never known. I would have never even thought of it. Yeah. yeah. And then I saw it. I was like, oh. I love that. You know, yeah. I, 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 you know people think I'm Sunni. People think I'm Shias. Some of them thought I was Druze. Yeah. We're, we're all the same. Cool. So coming back, <laughs> coming back to this, it wasn't along sectarian lines. It was around regional lines where both parties in charge wanted to benefit from the real estate. This yeah. is what... This is where they were where they were going with it. Did this, in a way, push you? Because when you came back to this country post-war, after studying in the U.S., and you saw what was already a bad situation getting worse in terms of waste management, yeah, yeah. did this motivate you to take initiative on your own? Because I think I don't know anyone else other than yourself who has done this as a full-time pursuit. Mm. I know other... NGOs that came and went. I know other names that sort of tried and failed. But yours is a over a decade long journey. I mean, and we're not an NGO. And way. you're not. Yeah, exactly. We're an engineering company. Right. So, but I had no choice, Ronnie. But take take me into the what you thought of in terms of your own individual agency, mm-hmm. what you thought you could do on your own, while the system did not permit you to do more. Yeah. Because obviously, you can't stop waste. From going to British Hamoud, none of us can actually do that ourselves. This requires this is a political it's a problem. Concerted effort as well. Exactly, exactly. So, was it that you wanted to try anyway? Exactly, and this is how I went to Jnoub. Mm, mm. There was no room for me in Beirut and Mount Lebanon. I see. Everybody was under a very strict, closed contract with Suklin. Of course. And I could not. I could not break through. So w- and w- the only it? way we were able to break through in yeah. Beit Mere, it was uh, during the trash crisis. Right. The Suklin contract de facto uh, uh, broke. The contract right. broke. They yeah. said, we have, no, we have no space to take your garbage to. Yeah. So, and this is how I, they called me from Beit Mere and they said, listen, we have this problem, trash is on the street, can you, uh, can you help us solve it? And I said, do you have land? And they said, yeah, well, we do we have land, <laughs> but you know, it's a dump and whatever. Yeah, yeah. And believe it or not, uh, we built the we built only one third. We were able to build only one third of the design in Beit Miri. Oh. So we have two thirds of the operation is done is done outside because it's a landfill. <laughs> the, oh. the the yeah. 
you know, it's a, it's a, it's a minor detail. But so they, they designed it as a landfill, and then they gave it was you they, they, no. Please oh. don't use design and oh, landfill. Oh, sorry. Yes, sorry, sorry. You're right. <laughs> yeah. the same. They uh, designated was, exactly uh, yeah. a designated dumping area. Designated dumping area. And there was a huge scandal about that. Actually, mm. you know the. Anyway, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about Ziyad, it some other time. Let's say that's post-2015, mm. where the Houston crisis is taking over the country. The Lebanese government cannot handle it. And I remember this trash everywhere. Mm. We had that river of trash as mm. well. Mm-hmm. And then you decide to do something with Beit Midi. Mm-hmm. Is that the first real attempt at local community politics on your, in, your, in your career? And did that sort of inspire you to enter politics because i'm trying to figure out what's taking somebody like you who's an expert and a enthusiast and motivated to go down the road of parliament and ignoring obviously the catastrophe that happened and i know that october 17 played a role in all of our lives but is 2015 really the spark for you no it was before it was before okay it was before because you see a badly managed uh, file, mm. and you know this is what this is what pains you. Yeah, you know you can do better. Yeah, you know we have potential. You know that we can make so much fertilizer out of our own waste instead of importing it and and sending our dollars mm. abroad. Mm-hmm. We can we can create so many plastics recycling venues. And also create economic activity, and also export this stuff, and now and bring more hard currency to them. Yeah. you know, you know, because because you've done it, because you've tried it. But that's that's a engineer that is good at their job and sees the problem. Yeah. But going into politics, yeah. can you? Is there a moment that you? Thought, I saw. I saw. Yeah. Uh, that eventually I will run out of work. Oh. If they if they stayed. Oh, that's if interesting. We, yeah, yeah, yeah. If we leave them in charge, yeah. If we leave them in charge, we will all be out of work. All, even you. Yeah. Even you know, خلاص. It's in microbiology when they uh, when they taught us about viruses. Mm. <laughs> there are two kinds of viruses usually. Yeah. Okay. Corona was a parasitic mm-hmm. uh, virus. A parasitic virus would come onto you and you're the host yeah and he would draw from you draw from you until it kills you right once yes. it kills you it moves on to another host yeah so it's a parasitic relationship mm. Mm. there are viruses that engage in what we call a symbiotic relationship mm. a symbiose or a symbiotic uh, relationship Where they're symbiosis. both kind of living together exactly. yeah yeah the virus lives on you yeah but lets you live Right. Because once you live, it lives. Yeah, it doesn't if you need to die, kill you. It dies with exactly. you. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or it it needs to go find another host. Right. Yeah. Okay. We are run by a parasitic virus. <laughs> I was wondering which one was going to be. I was like, yeah. "All right, it's the first yeah. one." <laughs> yeah, yeah. We are. This. This is. I saw that. I saw that our political class is a parasitic virus. It will kill us all. They don't know the problem is they don't even realize. But I'm, I'm wondering because this is all they're used to. But you, you didn't run with earlier groups no, no, in no. their even no. in municipal elections. No, you were no, not, nothing, nothing. But no. but I think the the journey you were on, which is community based facilitation, would lend itself well to the municipal level. Mm-hmm. Was there any attempt in your life to 
think about working with the Beirut municipality or trying to run for elections? I, I did work nine years with the Beirut municipality. Oh, nine, okay. I so was that, in charge of the slaughterhouse waste. Oh, I didn't know that. Beirut okay. municipality, my friend, used to have the largest slaughterhouse in Lebanon, mm. by, in, the, in the quarantine. Yeah, right? which used to smell and, oh. like heaven on earth. And you know why? Because <laughs> they had two kinds of waste. Mm. They had the hard waste, which was the bones, they would dump in the backyard and they would burn. This is what, this is what you smell. Oh, that was the stench. Oh, yes. The burning. Oh, yeah, burning oh. of bones. You're oh. burning calcium. Wow. One, which is a huge uh, fertilizer, by the way, yeah. if you properly manage it. And, get this, they would take the soft part, which means the stomach, the intestines, whatever, you know, mm. and they would dump it into the river. Oh, Beirut River? Oh, yeah. You're kidding oh, yeah. me. Oh, no. And then the river takes it down to the to the sea <laughs> and I remember like the first time they called me and they said hey can you come can you come take a look <laughs> but please don't look too close because you I, oh, man I took a picture of wow. their backyard and when I give lectures in universities or in schools and and I you know how you put like uh, you know now like on Instagram they, they they blur the picture and they say sensitive content yes, right. beware <laughs> yeah. so before I get That's to that funny. slide I tell everybody <laughs> listen you're gonna puke your hearts out now but this is this is how it was but then see it is it really they just throw it into the oh river? yeah oh yeah Wow, I didn't. Okay. Listen, I'm, I'm telling you, yeah. it's a uh, it's a decaying system. But you, when you see these horrible images, you realize that this is not a local problem. This is a systemic problem. Hey, so you, you mentality. Men- it's a mentality. But you, you could you identify that moment that you saw yourself heading to parliament, or is it a step by hey, step? It wasn't long ago, actually. Okay. It wasn't long ago. Yeah. It was when the. When the financial crisis mm. lent itself to a to a conclusion for you is that guys, this is free fall, mm. and they're running the crisis in a really mean way. Yeah, you know yeah. they don't. You know, it's like the captain of the ship. You're in a storm, and the captain is trying to kill you. Yeah, that's <laughs> you're you're a burden on the ship for him. You know, his his job is to save your life, even even at the cost of losing the ship. But yeah, right, we right. want we want all passengers to live. That's actually funny. Yeah. I wonder who the captain is in this. Oh, story. Yeah. let's not name names. <laughs> let's not name names. Yeah. No, but okay. Yeah. So the, so I appreciate you telling me a bit about your backstory, and I didn't know that you were in the slaughterhouse. Uh, hey, I was work. telling you that because yeah. I interacted with a lot of municipalities mm. in Jnoub, mm. in Jabal, yeah. in Beirut, yes. in Jbeil. Mm. We're all the same shit, man. <laughs> it's the all same shitty mentality of I take. Yeah. I take. I never give anything back. I'll push one more step forward, then we can, we can get into decentralization because that's interesting. Mm. You in parliament with people that you identify with in a small block, do you really think that those aspirations which you described can translate into power? I, and I'm sorry I keep going back hey, to hey. this, but I'll, I'll give you an analogy. I spoke, I'll, I'll give you a preview of my plan. Yeah. Let's say and we I, have... I've been as hard on everyone, by the way, hey, running, so I, I don't... This is not meant to be personal. No, it's no, more, no, no, no. Relax. I'm yeah. enjoying this okay. extremely, extremely well. My plan. Yes. Remember, I worked locally a lot. Yeah, right. Okay. 
There's nothing in the law preventing me from being a member of parliament and then deciding that, you know, I want to do something for Ashrafi mm-hmm. or, yes. for, or for Jemaize even right. or for Marm Khayel. Yeah. Okay. You know, I can see Marm Khayel as a lush green street mm-hmm. where at least two days a week, no cars pass by. And on the weekend, we want to see all... Uh, bars, restaurants, bakeries, what have you. They put their tables on the damn freaking street, mm-hmm. in the middle of the street. And then it's a it's a walkway for everybody. And then we work, yeah. we eat, we, 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 we enjoy life, yeah. we drink, we, anything, okay? This is one, you know, I don't want to say that this is one of my grandiose plans because this is so easy to do. But I don't know why no one thinks about it. So you could theoretically be in parliament and focus in on a municipal angle Mish as well. Theoretically, this is what I'm going to do. Oh, I see. I okay. want to work with Beirut municipality. I oh, want to push. Okay. Yeah. I want to push for a forensic audit of Beirut municipality. I see. Yeah. Your money, my yeah, money yeah, yeah. is where is it going? Why why is this why is this city in shambles? Yeah. And we pay huge municipal taxes. Where is that money going? And I know from the inside where it's going. Mm. It's all corruption. Mm. It's all corruption. And being in parliament can help you advance that. You know, as a member of parliament, uh, legally, uh, legally, you are in charge of defending the public coffers, the public money. Right. Yes. So, Inta, as a member of parliament, it's your job. You can call, you can call the uh, or the prosecutor, yes. the general prosecutor, and say, "Listen, as my role as a public servant, mm-hmm. I am telling you that I saw such and such, and I think, and I think you should send someone and start investigation. And if that leads you somewhere else. Uh, if that leads you down the road to something substantial, I'm willing to work with you mm-hmm, on mm-hmm. it. This yeah. is this is one of your roles. You're a public servant. I will offer this analogy only because you're both in the same. You're you're competing for the same seat, and this is actually just a chance that it, I interviewed Nadim Nadim yeah. Jmail. Uh, I think the last Sunday was his episode. Mm-hmm. So his mm-hmm. recent episode. He's running for the same the seat, Maronite the Maronite seat. seat. And uh, I'm not going to try to compare, but I'll just offer one example. Uh, my memory of his career in Parliament was uh, trying to get anti-smoking legislation passed. Mm. And he could not get it far. But restaurants started trying to zone. Within maybe a few weeks, the whole effort was thrown away. But I thought that the the attempt was actually correct, that he was trying to make this, which is... That was a tough fight, by the way. A tough fight. He's going up against Big Tobacco. Exactly. But it's the tough fight that you don't win. And in Nadim Jmail's case, it's not something... It, you cannot put that as a success story on his resume. They had a small win, actually. Mm. You don't see a smoking advertisement anymore. We used to have them. Oh, that was part of the... I didn't know that. Okay. Remember, you remember the Marlboro yeah. Man? Yeah, of course. Yeah, he was... Yeah. Exactly. I think it's the same building. Yeah. This was this was the consequences of the law. Okay, but that let's say that's... But no, yeah, again, yeah. on the books. Yeah. On the books, any municipal agent 
can go into any restaurant and see people smoking inside. That's and true. they can find it. The implementation is probably down at zero percent. Exactly. So, do you think that you have an advantage because you're not affiliated with a party, that you're an independent mind, that there's no Zaim the way you described it, that you'd be able to do something with more effect than what he was able to do with that? I will draw on my background as an industrial engineer. Mm, mm. And there's always a third alternative. Uh-huh. I think that law, they should have, they should have categories of restaurants where smoking is allowed. Mm. So you mm-hmm. as a customer who doesn't smoke, on your way in, it should be clear for you that this is a smoking place. Mm. Okay? okay. Or yeah. maybe we can create what we call smoking clubs where they serve food. Right, okay? right. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. as someone who doesn't smoke, yeah. I want to go have my hummus somewhere where no one is, 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 right. is blowing his argili yeah. up my nose. Absolutely. Okay? So, yeah. now, to make... After all, after all, we want everybody to work, right? Yeah. We want we we want to get that economic wheel turning and yes. churning. Okay. <laughs> I'm up for we rediscuss that law mm. Mm. and we create a new category with the Ministry of Tourism, mm. smoking clubs that serves food. Right. Yeah. And. We apply the law then every, everywhere else. But in the, in the bigger sense, is there an advantage that you have by not being with an old party that has a more familiar structure the way you described it? That you're, let's say, let's assume you are more independent minded. Would you have the upper hand in trying to do something like that? Or forget non-smoking issues. Just yeah, more, you know why? Yeah. Because I'm not interested in any sum of money to buy my vote. Mm. I'm not running for parliament to to get rich mm. Mm. or to steal from the public coffers. Actually, I'm taking a step back <laughs> financially. <laughs> I think all of us are, yeah. by the way. And I promise, you know, I have 52 families at my charge in my company. Mm. Mm. And I promise them that, you know, my running for parliament will not take away from your livelihood. I will, I will split my time in a way that, you know, we will, but, and also don't forget, you know, we, we spent a lot of money developing stuff. So, and we, you know, we, and look at the, the <laughs> what, what's really funny for me is that, you know, we're on the brink of the worst trash crisis. And if I'm in parliament, my company cannot partake in this because that would be a huge conflict of interest. Right, of course, yes. So what's going to yeah. happen is that I'm going to have to teach them <laughs> oh, how, to do, how to do that. Let's go down the road of decentralization, which has been a topic everyone's discussed, I think, since, well, probably since the formation of modern Lebanon, but more recently. Mm. It's oftentimes, I think, misunderstood, and it's thrown into the federalist conversation, Mm-mm. which I don't think, I mean, that's no. not the right way of... Exactly. Yeah. But decentralization is seen, I think, by many. It's purely managerial, by the way. Exactly. And I, I mean, majority, I think, of October 17 affiliated groups are happy to discuss it. But what is waste management and decentralization together? And is it just municipal authority? Is it Qada authority? What, what does it look like? Yeah. Actually, my plan for solving the waste crisis over, over Lebanon, the mm. whole territory of Lebanon, 
We have 26 administrative areas, mm-hmm. which is the Qadab. Yeah. 26 of them. And usually a truly decentralized system. Mm. This is where you have local, you have local management. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. A, a, uh, the, the manager of the Qada now is called Qa'im Maqam. Right. Okay. Yes. But it's a fictitious, inefficient. Is it more symbolic anyway? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, a, yeah. it's something we, we got from the Ottomans. Right. Okay. Yes. And he's appointed. He's not elected. Right. Okay. Of course. So we have to scrap that. Yeah. Eventually, if we want true decentralization, mm. first of all, we're going to have to have a strong central government. Right. You cannot yeah. have decentralization With a weak, without, uh, yeah, because yeah. most of the parties now are calling for decentralization because they want their own canton. Yeah, that's this is what they think. And that's this is federalism conversation more, exactly. right? Yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah and, mm. no, and they, they can call it whatever they want, right. you know, yeah, yeah. as long as you know they have their own area and mm. uh, their own money. Yeah, coffers, uh, money streaming right. in, whatever. خلاص we are in charge, and they know that they can rig all the elections, yeah. and they can do. This is why you need a good central government. Mm-hmm. You yeah. need a strong central government, at least to be a fair arbitrator. Right. At least to run decent elections. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, what you do on a kaza level, you say, your your waste is your own shit. You have to deal with your own shit. You cannot take your shit and and give it to and, and dump it onto other people's land. Is that is, is that going to be on a poster somewhere? Yeah. Ziyad, De- deal with your own shit. <laughs> Do you, are there any banners of you yet? I'm here. Highway? I'm here to help you deal with your with your own shit. No, no, actually, I'm I'm, there, I'm no. against banners. Okay, good. Actually, I was against paper posters. And okay. Thank yeah, God. I was gonna ask you that. Actually, yeah. that's why I asked. Yeah. 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 How open are you? And we still, we still gonna go down after the elections, and everybody's printing on plastic now. So, but yeah. we, you know, I promise you, and I promise everybody <laughs> here hearing us that uh, on the what is twenty first, I think it was like the, the, yeah. the yeah, Sunday yeah. after. Yes. Yep. We're gonna go down. We're gonna we're gonna take everything down. And if it's paper, we'll send it to a paper recycling plant. And if it's uh, plastic. I promise you, I will cover more manhole covers <laughs> from from recycling these posters. But I will say something. You're the only person I know. I think you are the only person in this country who's doing two things at once. Taking it upon yourself to go fix problems that are on the street. Exactly. They're not your problem to fix, but you're fixing it. Yeah. And you're doing it because you think the community should be able to live a fairly functional life and not die because of a manhole. And you do it on your own. And this is why I decided to come back and live here. So you're, you've got... I want to contribute. That's yeah. all. You've it got, gives me satisfaction. You've got the energy for it. And you've got also the curiosity and better governance when it comes to waste management. And I, mean, and I don't like nagging. You don't like <laughs> nagging. And I sense you're somebody who likes to talk to find answers, not talking just for the sake of talking. And I will say, I watch your podcast, Mumkin. Actually, I have checked out a few episodes. I know that you're about yeah. to go record. Yeah. Uh, but I, I know that you're looking for ways out. You're not just here to, exactly. to talk endlessly. Third alternative. I'm always, I'm always looking for the third alternative. Third alternative. But Even the slayh of Hezbollah, it's hard. It's tough. It's very messy. But there is a third alternative. We will end with the third alternative for yeah. that issue because yeah. that's something I want to hear. Yeah. Actually, you're the first person 
in over 300 episodes to even suggest this. So let, we'll, we'll end with that. But when it comes to you are among friends in parliament, whether it's 10, 15, or even mm. who cares, mm. the number could be the majority. Mm. How does that decentralization take hold? Because I can't imagine, and it's maybe my prejudice, I can't imagine geographies in this country adjusting themselves in a more efficient way the way you're describing it. It's just something that I don't, I can't even see it. Yeah. So what is that? Look you're like? right, actually, not to see it. Yeah. So is it a... But I saw it. I saw it because I dealt with, you know, I've practically sat down with every municipality president the last 30 years. Yeah. Okay. There's one thing you have to keep in mind. Municipalities are extensions of the local political parties. Mm -hmm. That's true. They bring their own people. That's true. So they bring their own mindset. Yeah. It's very rare that you have municipalities that, you mm. know. So if the whole system is crumbling and the whole political, they can't do anything. You know, we mm. could lose, we could lose the elections and they can have 128 parliamentarians on May 16th. Right. That's let's true. Say, let's, let's go through this simulation. So zero at the end. Yeah. Right. We campaigned, whatever, and we lost. Kateb and Uwait and these independents are not in the discussion. October 17, zero. Exactly. Yeah, that's possible. It's possible. Yeah. Afikra, Uwait, and all the others, they're part of the system. Let's not kid ourselves. But I'm also even going a step further. Michel Mawad, Naamit Frem, the independents, forget them too. Exactly. October 17. So, in your view, what will happen to electric power? Mashi. What will happen to the depositors' money? Mashi. Mm. What will happen to the internet? It's going to get worse. What will happen with with the economic life? Mm. Mashi. Mashi. Leish. The structure is bankrupt. This endable parliament. Well, let's say Khamstash. Okay. What does? I mean, how could you get the? How can you get? I want decentralization uh, okay. in waste management. Oh, what she yeah. decent? La, la. Decentralization in waste management. Uh, we said before. No, but, but we're gonna be forced into it. We're gonna be forced into it. Lecture mm. Hasi. Ramco's uh, and City Blue's contracts. They will end in eleven months. Oh, okay. Okay. Mm. We're already too late, Africa. Yeah. Huh? Yeah, yeah. So they will end in eleven months. The government is bankrupt. Hala, enta, you see the trash now. They yeah. did not run out of space. They ran out of money. They are paying mm. them at a rate that mm. they cannot operate. Right, right. Okay? Uh -huh. They need to pay these these poor foreign workers yes. in, in dollars. Yeah. Okay? Yeah, yeah. And whatever the government and BDL is giving them, they cannot operate. Right. This is also an industry. This is they have maintenance. They pay all their uh, spare parts mm. in cash dollars. Right. Okay. So now what you are saying is is the economic aspect of the crisis. Mm -hmm. Later on, you're gonna see the technical aspect of the world. They run out of space. We don't have space in the in the landfills anymore. Right. So what's gonna happen? We're going to say, listen, guys, this old model is not working. It is not logical at bring down waste from Faraya yeah. to Jdaidi. Of course. So Faraya and neighbors, deal with your own shit. Hmm? Juni and, yeah. and neighbors, 
deal with your own shit. Jabal, Hone, you know, Alay, whatever, deal with you. Everybody's going to have to deal with their own shit. Laanno, no one will accept waste anymore. And it's fair. It's fair. Is, is that a law implementation or is that just a final it, outcome of it's where a de facto, It's a it's de, de facto, facto on the ground. I see. Leish. Mm. People have lost, lost trust completely. Yeah. And 2016 was a preview when Mashnu went to Akkar to yeah. say this. They said no. It's true. Khalas. It's true. Law, trust has been lost. Yeah. Okay. So now what's going to happen? Trash is not going to stop, by the way. Mm. You know that. Yeah. Alhamdulillah, Of course. Okay. Yeah. Listen, I make real quick note. I went to Denmark to do a uh, to do a documentary about incinerators because they were gonna bring an incinerator yeah. to Beirut, and, yeah, yeah. and we were against it. Right. In Denmark, their public announcement messages about sorting waste are ongoing since 39 years. <laughs> It's ongoing. Our discussion about waste incinerators was I think two months long in 2015-16. Yeah, I remember 17, 17. I remember the crowd that emerged, the Beirut Medinati crowd yeah, that yeah. emerged from the protests were the most vocal against it. Mm. And it did, obviously didn't happen. But short of something that radical, which is also problematic, can you envision waste management actually becoming something more tolerable in the near future? Because I sense what you're describing is further collapse and then a de facto outcome which is decentralization and then you start picking up the pieces but that could be years from now it's not necessarily something that we will no no likely because mm. waste doesn't stop you don't have the luxury of time with waste right 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 yeah yani, let's say beirut they yeah. generate 500 tons per day mm. huh? every day you are late 500 tons per, per day, day. Oh, wow yeah. wow so now Every every late 24 hours, you're adding to your bag 500 tons. Right. So this is why I always mm. keep telling people, mm. you need to plan ahead. Yeah. Once shit hits the fan, right. it's going to be 500 tons every 24 hours. I think the way you're describing it is the way a politician could lobby a population to take this seriously. Because I don't think any politician has ever effectively described waste management the way you have. Actually, on the Mumkin podcast, mm. probably in a week or 10 days, we're going to run a, a simulation to let people start sorting their waste in view of the coming crisis. Oh, interesting. Two-bag system. A two-bag system. Please, yeah. just yeah. sort your trash yeah. in the two-bag system. If you can afford to buy a black roll of bags and a blue roll of bags please put your recyclables in the blue and put your organics in the black if you cannot doesn't matter just separate them yeah and i know that for now ramco is gonna come take everything and put it in that truck and 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 bail it and 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 ruin it but listen 11 months we need to start practicing for the yeah 12 months what's gonna happen after they stop we don't want to go through another trash crisis i'll, I'll be i'll be frank This is my limited experience. I know it's, I'm being a bit subjective. Without uh, without penalty, it's hard to imagine these eh. things taking hold. Eh. I remember growing up in the U.S. in a, a younger in the younger years of my life, where you'd get fined mm -hmm. if you threw batteries, for example, or if you threw 
paper with your regular trash or if you had compost mixed up with other things there were penalties and you'd actually get a fine in the mail now that a couple of years ago i was yeah. driving in massachusetts yeah and i was reading the no littering sign uh-huh. do you know what's the fine in massachusetts something like five thousand dollars ten thousand ten thousand dollars yeah there you go so there's a ten thousand dollar fee that's a car price of a new car if you throw if you flick your cigarette littering littering, littering. yeah anything right. it could be a burger or a cigarette box now that's maybe the more extreme sense but there's a penalty um, you have countries that have implemented outrageous fines i mean singapore is notorious mm-hmm. for being brutal but in this country when it comes to law implementation and then penalty implementation i just don't see certain things taking hold yeah hey, it's going to take time yeah and you know it's not the same story but the seatbelt yeah. situation there were checkpoints for a day <laughs> The traffic lights, remember those radars that were installed? Oh, yeah, I mean, they're all gone. Yeah, uh, the speeding tickets, I don't think they're even being collected anymore. Hmm. There, there's, I think... But see, all these are symptoms of the crumbling structure. Absolutely, yeah. But I, you know, I don't want to be bleak, but I, I think the things like this probably are the last to be solved as the structure reemerges from a nightmare. And then society begins to appreciate hmm. what it's lost over time. And I think we're no different than anyone in Massachusetts. It's just that they've got something that they can lean on better and a system that functions and a penalty that means something. Actually, I was really, I was really shocked that they have to levy such high fines. Yeah. Because you would want to think, oh, they're, you know, sure. they're structured, yeah, they're, yeah, you know, yeah. they're, they're aware, they don't do this. But, but I bet even without that sign, nobody's littering anymore. Eh, eh, yeah. It becomes, becomes second nature. Second nature. And mm. Germany has the most complicated bins on earth. But it's second nature to them. Of course. Let's go and end with the third alternative you mentioned. That's something that interests me. A third alternative to deal with Hezbollah's weapons. What is that? What's the first, what's the first alternative? The first alternative? Okay, that's interesting. The first, yeah. no, no, I mean, yeah. what's the first choice now oh, that's okay. being yes. yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. You have politicians going up and we're gonna kill you. We're gonna. So basically, what you would wanna, if you if you have like two ounces of logic, so what what these people are saying, we're gonna find an 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 uh, foreign entity. Mm. They're gonna arm us, and then we're gonna kill you. Okay, this is one. Let's do. Let's say we're brainstorming. Okay, okay. Sure, yeah. How can we deal with the arms of Hezbollah? First of all, we get armed, and we we re uh, we re. Uh, whatever exactly so it's a civil war so for you that's not an option for me it's not it's not an option option. okay we're not we're not gonna kill each other over that yeah all right this is one second second choice you have okay you say i want to talk to you i want to i want to sit on a negotiating table but he's way stronger than you are right yeah he's way stronger than you are so you're negotiating from a lower you, you have no leverage. Let's no put leverage, it this way. Yeah. You have no leverage. But, again, we said that arms only win battles. Mm-hmm. They don't win wars. Yeah. And I see this argument all, all over the news sometimes. And, you know, people on the street saying, oh, you know, in Dahi they get paid in dollars and uh, they, they, everybody is fine. No. Yeah. Dahi is not the paradise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I know Dahi. Yeah. I have friends and I know what they go through. 
it's even it's even harder sure. for the grand population and it's not being run again yeah. i say a militia cannot give so and i've heard i've heard their perspective sometimes yeah, yeah. we are, and, and this was was this was plain put plain out mm, and mm. even on the news we are looking for a partner that would not stab us in the back and then arms are negotiable i've heard that sorry we are looking for a partner. we are looking for a local partner oh, oh, oh. that will not stab us in the back mm. if we sit down if we lay down the arms right. okay yeah we are willing to negotiate who's floating that idea when this was a hezbollah camp Oh, but that, I think that's the usual sort of... Uh, okay, that, that's but the, no, one, no one took him to their word yet. Yeah, but that's the Ba'abda declaration stuff. That's the, we, we will sign papers but not implement. That's the... Okay. Or even the old... But um, hey, what's, what's the parallel line going now? We're going through economic demise. Mm-hmm. Do you think, you think if they could use... Let's, let's also simulate. Mm. Let's say if they can use their missiles... Somehow, would the economic situation uh, improves? No, but what it does, and I'm going to introduce this gift, which is something you shouldn't have done. It's very sweet of you. You brought glass mm-hmm. to replace uh, a, a light that crashed during the <laughs> podcast, and it's going to now become part of the podcast. I'll find its home. What they can do is actually destroy our lives. And I don't know if this is glass from the infijar, from the mm, glass. It could be. It could be. Yeah. I've seen some of your work from glass, from the blast. What they can do is make life unbearable. And Why? Because we're still part what's, of... What's their motive? They are, on, they are in the same sinking ship that we are all in. Their problem, their problem is that I know that environment very well. I lived, I lived nine years, and I worked there, and I have friends, and I have, and I know what what pains them. Mm. I know it. They know that they cannot go the economic uh, recovery route mm. without you, without me, without everybody. Right? They cannot. Right. That's let's, true. Let's let's use that as leverage. Yeah. Okay. But not let's say without without being condescending. Can we do that? I would go a different direction. And, I mean, we can. This is a. Uh, what did you say? We're uh, Wait, mental. We gym- agree. We yeah. agree that yeah. we agree that they can no longer keep their arms unchecked. Right. I, for me, that's a principle that cannot be negotiated. It's universal, and it's something. If you if you're willing to accept it, it means you're missing such a huge part of the exactly. problem. But exactly. I'll go a step. I'll go a slightly different direction. I don't see it as a population or even a segment of society or a confession or a neighborhood or a region. I see it as how to figure out on a local level, whether it's an MP entering parliament, whether it's a political party emerging, or whether it's an old political party with banners all over the highway, (laughs) (laughs) all over the country. I don't know how to negotiate an end to Iran's security interests in Lebanon on a local level with Hezbollah. 
I just don't know how that can be done. What I could imagine, which is taking the conversation in a slightly different direction, is a local aspiration to find an answer to Iran's security needs and for us to be part of the conversation. But that requires Iran letting go. And I just don't see local aspirations from good people getting far with that burden. You know, you, you mentioned something that's earlier. A, that's a good podcast for you, man. Well, that's kind find of... Someone, find someone from that, from that perspective who is open enough to come sit here and debate that with you. I think that would be a great podcast. I've had the most intellectual conversations with... not they're not they're Obviously, they're not Hezbollah supporters, but Jad Ghusun, who's curious in his attempt. I think he's, he's found a way that suits him, it makes sense to him, at trying to solve that problem in a third alternative. Mm. Tonight, it's going to come out... Uh, Jad is smart, actually. Jad is I, smart. I, I, I hope to God Jad wins, because I think if, if we have someone like Jad uh, in the parliament, I think we have, we, we, have, we have plenty to do. But I've asked him the same curious question, and I don't think his answers are adequate. And that's a personal take on his, on his answer. Tonight, this, is, this episode will come out Sunday. Wednesday evening, in, in a few minutes actually, Shab al-Nahas' episode will come out, and I spent an hour trying to get to the bottom of that issue. I don't think anyone in this country, whether their intentions are good or bad, whether their new parties are old, or whether they're new names or old names, have the capacity to end Iran's security in Lebanon. Okay, I agree. Yeah. Okay, but if I'm, I would like to be one of the negotiators with Hezbollah. Mm. I would like, I think they would listen to me mm. and I would listen to them because I'm not, they don't pay me. They don't. Mm, uh, mm. They don't give me any leverage. Or, mm. You know, I've I've had like some really uh, tough uh, discussions with them, going back and forth. Especially, especially that conversation where mm. the the rifle and the missile only wins a few battles, never never wins a war. Mm. Uh, I would like to sit down with them and really find out if they are this entrenched with Iran or not. Because if they are entrenched that much with Iran and then whatever Iran says goes, then we're in deep shit and we have, we have, we have a fourth alternative to look for. That's interesting. I, like, yeah. I appreciate your willingness to even go down another... Yeah. 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 Lake. Yeah. No civil war. This is the constraint. Yeah. Haiti, we don't want to see... We don't Hey, I don't think will ever happen again. Okay, and, and well, the reason I thank I, you. No, no, but the reason is not necessarily a good one, is that what Hezbollah today represents is not a civil war militia; it's a security situation, mm. and they will never tolerate a real threat against their presence. So, civil war I don't think can happen given the current status. But I would like to see uh, less prejudice against anyone living anywhere in the country. People in Dahi are suffering more than people in, in Beirut. Bravo. And Shia of Lebanon are no different than the Sunnis or whatever you want. Exactly. Maronite, that stuff should be tossed aside. But if Hezbollah... We've all been robbed. We've all been robbed. We've, we've all been uh, abused but, by, by a political system. Absolutely. But Hezbollah needs to reform. And the first step in reforming is letting go of its relationship with a very destructive security disorder that has taken us to hell. And I think local, lo local actors 
should be winning rather than losing. And when they make it to parliament or anywhere, the cabinet or whatever post, they should be able to do stuff and not fail. Okay, but see here, you meet my you meet my uh, my point there. Yeah. When you say they need to let go, right? When you let go, let's let's do an analogy with like a <laughs> romantic relationship, okay. right? Sure. So you've been in a toxic relationship, and somehow you need to let go. We've both been married, <laughs> married, and we're both divorced. So okay. Let's, now <laughs> I know where you're going. The with easiest, this. No, exactly. The yeah. easiest way to let go is what is to find another partner. You find another partner where you see the potential of building a less toxic relationship. When I, when mm. I, listen, mm. Mm. have you been to Aitarun, Bentishbail, whatever? Bentishbail, no. it's been years. All right, fine. Uh, fine. It's been a few years. I haven't been to the South. You know why I don't worry? You know, I, I hear a lot. I hear it a lot on the streets is that, oh, they're Iranians. Though they've become Iranians. They're Iranians. No, it's not true. That's it, not true. But, listen. Yeah. I will worry when I go to Bentishbail or go to Aitarun and see one of those elders mm. there singing Ateba in Persian. When that happens, I will worry. No, but that's if, like, that, yeah. if, if it doesn't happen, then I have the moral responsibility and they have the moral responsibility to sit down and talk it over. And if I want to ask them to let go, I want, I want them to, to feel and know that I could be an alternative mm. relationship that I will not stab them in the back and that they are part of this Lebanese mosaic. And you are right. Like, Anna, I lived, I lived the Christian epitome of force. Yeah. Yeah. It was like 79, 89. Mm. And then we had the Sunni epitome of 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 force <laughs> right uh, they call it okay we had a christian one we had a sunni and now we are going through the shia one okay but if you look back into history what happens to the faid kuwi masihi what happened to the faid kuwi sunni i bet you the same thing is going to happen to the faid kuwi shia I've heard, we'll, we'll end it on this note, because that's a nice way to wrap it up. This is something that should be, this should be a book. What you just laid out is exactly the opposite way I see Lebanon. And it's two stories, there's two chapters, but it's the same book. And maybe sometimes it's the same chapter written differently. What I see is a Christian population that armed itself due to an external threat in Lebanon. And I saw a Sunni population accepting serious terms by force. And I see a Shia population that is no different than the Sunni or Christian under the thumb of Iran and unable to shake that off. And I don't see Christian, Sunni or Shia moments in Lebanon's history. What I see is the same damn population trying to get out of a geopolitical nightmare that started probably the year you were born. 1969 was the year you were born. That's exactly when it started. So your whole life has been this nightmare. I'm 40. I've never seen a Lebanon that functions on its own. And I, I, it, I insist on something. The Lebanese forces, I know this for a fact. In the 1980s, this is not a friendly militia. It's a brutal militia that ran a canton in the country. They're a brutal militia during war. 
the tragedy is that the Syrian regime was what disarmed all militia with the exception of Hezbollah. What was lacking were leaders who are willing to sit down and eat from the same plate and not take everything away. Leaders who would want to accept that you are you are an equal partner and you have the exact same right into eat, dipping into that hummus plate as much as I have. Yeah. We don't have those anymore. We, we yeah. never had them, actually. We never had them. But I think, listen, we're only 100 years old as a state. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I hear now? Because I follow, I follow U.S. politics, internal U.S. politics yeah. very closely. Huh? They're talking about the Lebanization of yeah. the U.S. conflict. Yeah, that's true. But in that story, I think they have a system that will outweigh exactly. all their local problems. Exactly. Ours doesn't handle regional problems. Eh, we're too small. We're yeah. too small and weak. And the only, I th the way I see it is the only way to, to get out of this is that that we need to convince each other that we all need each other somehow. And you cannot do it now with the Fa'il Kowashia. So you're gonna have, we're going to have to wait where it's going to abate. I agree. I agree. I, you know you're right. And I, I'm optimistic long term. Exactly. Um, I appreciate anyone shedding light or shining light during this dark time. You're doing it very eloquently. I'm inspired by people like you, Ziad. I know it's stupid for me to say this no. as somebody who's no, older and wiser and has lived a, a longer, more fruitful Listen, life. Listen, older doesn't always mean wiser. Huh? Well, that's, that's actually, you're right. But uh, your, your experiences outweigh mine. Uh, I will say that you're able to convince the local and the national and even you're even able to go regional in your politics. And I think your passion is, is if... It's infectious. I, I, I like listening to you, Thank you, whether it's on a TED Talk or next to Jusad Wati or on Facebook <laughs> or on your podcast. Mm. And I'm going to plug it in the episode, Mumkin. Mm. Um, I will say that I think this is the kind of way you get to know people best. So I'm glad you're in the podcasting world. Exactly. Yeah. I wouldn't have really understood you without this kind of medium. So thank you and good luck these coming weeks. I appreciate you giving me your time during the campaigning season. This is, this is more important. And you said I'm getting to know you actually, and now and now I have a whole new perspective about you as a person and and your politics and how you think and yeah and and this gives me joy because we're we're practically we're practically all singing to the same frequency. I agree. Fifteen years ago or so, you joined my Walk Beirut tour, so I'm glad you reminded yeah. me of that. <laughs> and you said Lebanon is small and weak, but you're big and strong. Thank you, my friend. Thank you, sir. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for listening and watching. And a friendly reminder to support this podcast by contributing through Patreon or PayPal. All links are in the details box. Until next time, I'm Rani Shatah, and this is the Beirut Banyan. <laughs>